Welcome into the Post podcast. I'm Nick Devalian with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're going to be recapping some of the transfers that have already happened uh, in the past two weeks since we last talked to you guys. Then we're going to go into some transfer rumors. We're going to talk about FC Barcelona and their situation in the transfer market with all the levers. And then we're going to play a little game where we talk about five players where we say which is overrated and which is underrated. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Lucas, two weeks later, we have come back. How are you doing? We're back, Nick. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm also doing great. Uh, rough two weeks for me. Great two weeks for you since we last yeah. spoke. But um, You know how we told everybody not to like refresh our feeds, try to get into the transfers, don't get sucked into it? Yeah, me and Nick got sucked into it. Like I'm always refreshing my Twitter to see what's going on. And Nick's always like just constantly refreshing his Reddit to see what's going on. We just constantly been texting us each other back and forth to figure out what transfers have been going on and which we think are the best ones and which we think are just trash. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's time to uh, run down the list quickly of the signings that we really liked that we wanted to highlight uh, since we last spoke. Right. So I'll run down the list and I want you to tell me. Which ones you uh, you really liked, and then which ones you you did not like, right okay. or less? Okay. So Rafinha goes from Leeds United to Barcelona. Christian Eriksen signs on a free uh, from Brentford since he is out of contract to Manchester United. Manchester United also got Lissandro Martinez from Ajax and uh, Tyrell Malasia from Feyenoord. Di Maria signs on a free uh, from PSG since he was out of contract to Juventus. Paul Pogba also joins Juventus for Manchester United on a free since he was also out of contract. Koulibaly signs from uh, from Napoli to Chelsea for 40 million euros, and then Tyler Adams joins uh, Leeds United. Uh, I mean, joins Leeds United from RB Leipzig. Then finally, we have Henrik Mkhitaryan joining to, uh, Inter Milan from Roma on a free since he was also out of contract. So these are the signings that we highlighted over the past uh, two weeks that we really thought we should talk about. Which ones did you like, Lucas? Which ones are you unsure about? So the Rafinha one, we just got to spend some time on that because that was insane. We legit had no idea what was going on. Obviously, we knew earlier in the year that Rafinha to Barcelona was very likely Barcelona wanted to do it. However, the funds weren't fully there for Barcelona to get Rafinha. But in the last two weeks, things started to build up. The last time we talked about Rafinha, Nick had made a claim that Rafinha, within the next week, would be an Arsenal player. Because Arsenal was the only player that was in for Rafinha. Uh, only team that was in for Rafinha. Then, a couple of days after that, Chelsea put in a bid for Rafinha. We thought that was done and dusted. Chelsea confirmed Rafinha. And then a week later, Barcelona somehow get the funds to put a bid for Rafinha. And Rafinha officially is a Barcelona player. He was announced. That is, I'll say that, that's a fantastic signing for them. Because they needed a right winger. They, they didn't have that. They needed a right winger. Um, but also, they re-signed... Dembele to a two-year contract. So I don't know who's going to start, where Dembele is going to start, where Anzu Fati is going to start. 
where Rafinha is going to start, but they definitely have the depth for sure. So I don't know how they have the depth, how they have the funds to do this. We'll get into this uh, a little bit later on with how Barcelona's finances and how everybody's clueless as to what's going on with Barcelona. But Rafinha is a brilliant signing. It's unfortunate for the teams that were in for Rafinha that Leeds stayed up because had he had they not stayed up, he would have been uh, only 25 million. Whereas he's going for, I believe the fee was 65 million, Nick. 65 million uh, euros, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big signing to call out. That I think would be that's going to thread the needle there. Um, other than that, Koulibaly, huge signing for Chelsea. They lost Rudiger, and they essentially just replaced Rudiger with Rudiger. Koulibaly is that same type of player, that big, big body. So really fantastic business for them. And, I mean, Chelsea have been doing really they, – they've been doing wonders. Not just Koulibaly. They signed Sterling officially. So that's a great signing for them. I mean, they've been in for De Ligt as well. Um, getting rid of Lukaku, of course, that, that's big for them. But, I mean, Sterling for $50 million for a 27-year-old, amazing stuff from Chelsea right there. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And, I mean, we didn't touch on Sterling really, but we, we really should in this situation. To get him, if you think about the clubs that he's played for, he played for Liverpool, then Man City, and then now he goes to, to Chelsea the three best clubs currently in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, we'll wait to see this upcoming season, but for the past, you know, five, ten years, I think that's maybe the case. If you're talking about uh, what he brings, he is probably instantly the best right winger on their roster, right? Yeah. And and it's most likely starting almost every game for them. They can then move uh, Havers into the false nine role, which they experimented with, End of last season, that ended up being really well for him. Mm-hmm. And then Koulibaly as well. You know, I mean, he's a, arguably a top three center back in the entire world, even though he's 31. That's a little... Yeah. People are complaining about his age, but he, the way he plays, he doesn't necessarily rely totally on pace. And his strengths include reading the game and literally his physicality. So uh, his game ages very well. So he's going to really be 33 by the time the contract ends. because. Mm-hmm. Be 31, 32, and then 33 uh, after the end of his final season, right? So with that being said, uh, I think those are two two solid A signings. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rafinha I wanted to talk about a little bit because Chelsea didn't just like, you know, negotiate. The news was just that uh, Leeds have accepted a bid of $65 million for for Rafinha from Chelsea just out of nowhere. And uh, I think it's... It's an interesting stat- strategy what has happened between the, the Premier League clubs. There's also talks that Chelsea was trying to hijack Jesus to Arsenal within the last like two days before. And, wow. yeah, and they decided to stick with Arsenal. So it seems to me that a lot of uh, what's happening, especially between Chelsea, Manchester United and Arsenal, is competing for the same type of players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can bring a level up and a depth in the squad that they may not necessarily have. Also have to highlight, um, I mean, Di Maria to Juventus. I love that signing so much for them. I agree. Because he gives them uh, what they thought they were going to get in Kulusevsky. 
And uh, even though it's only for one year, it's still a free transfer. Pogba on a free as well. I mean, Pogba was worth a hundred million pounds essentially uh, when he went from from Juventus to Manchester United, or if it was eighty million, it doesn't matter. He was worth the price that yeah. paid, right? So to get Pogba back, uh, you get a midfield of you know McKinney or Zakaria if he's healthy with Pogba and Locatelli, and then you have Chiesa, Vlahovic, and Di Maria up front. I mean, that's that's a you know, that's a world-class top six right there for their midfield and forwards. So uh, really like those signings. And, I mean, Manchester United also with a great couple of weeks as well. I mean, Manchester United, the last time we talked, Manchester United had not done anything. Um, but ever since then, they hijacked the Malasia signing for a left-back from Feyenoord uh, from Lyon. He was originally supposed to go Lyon. Fabrizio Romano did give the here we go for Malasia to Lyon, but last second, Manchester United hijacked it. And Malasia instantly wanted to go and he wanted to play for uh, Eric Ten Hag. So uh, great signing there because he fits in the mold of the modern day left back where they're very attacking and he can push Luke Shaw to his limit. We saw what Luke Shaw can do when he has quality uh, competition where two, two seasons back... He was one of the best left backs in the league. He was one of the less, best left backs in the world at that, at that point. Um, and then last year, he had a dip in form. But Malasia coming in has revitalized that, or hopefully he will revitalize that. And if not, Malasia will step in and he'll start. Um, so expect Tellez to leave and also expect Brandon Williams to leave as well. So great signing for them. Only $15 million too. And then Erickson on a free... And then Lissandro Martinez today, Friday the 15th. We got that. Here we go. What What's funny with United's transfer strategies, and we thought they were just going very, very slow, is they waited for teams to get bids accepted or to get bids like nearly accepted. And then they just swooped in and said, okay, we'll just pay like a million more or five million more. Like they did that with Malasia where – Lyon had the bid accepted for 13 million. United just went in and said 15 million and we want him. And and Feyenoord accepted it. And then for Martinez, Arsenal, I think they had a bid for 40 million euros, uh, 32 million pounds. And United were like, all right, we'll give, well, at this point it was 55. It turned out to be 55 million after add-ons, but it's because Ajax didn't need to sell but they had to sell them and they get a very versatile player because United know if United go in right away, they'll be literally taxed the United tax where they'll for Malasia would probably would have, would have been 30 million for Lissandro would have been 70 million. So great business for them so far. I mean, and we'll talk about uh, Barcelona and Frankie de Jong in in a little bit, but I, I like what they've done so far and especially Ericsson for free. Great player, great player who can really like step in when we need him. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think if you're talking about uh, Martinez specifically, he can play, you know, that left side of the center back position. He can also play as a defensive midfielder, which is a need that Manchester United has in both areas. Honestly, you know, he provides a lot of consistency on both ends. And Ajax, you know, they they didn't really need to sell them. They didn't even want to sell him. They just they just essentially said, listen, if you want if you want him, you have to pay this amount, and we will not accept anything less. 
And I, I ultimately agree with you. I think Manchester United's strategy, uh, although it pisses off other teams, right? And I don't know how the relations will go with those teams that they piss off. But as far as as far as what I think, I think it's very smart to wait to see another team bid that they're interested in because if they accept that bid and Manchester United bids the same thing, they can't overprice Manchester United because they'll just always go back and say, hey, listen, I know, we know that you paid this amount for, or you accept this amount for this player, so we're also going to give you this same amount and you have to accept it. You have to accept it. So I think I think it's a very smart strategy. Long term, I'm not sure because I don't know how it'll soil, you know, the relationship with Lyon as as an example. It won't really with Arsenal because there's never really that much business between Arsenal and Manchester United. But um, I'm interested. One, no, I really like it. Yeah, one more topic that I wanted to talk about are two two players that we should highlight uh, on our list. McTarian to Inter, I think, is a great signing. He signs on a free. He had a great great. A uh, couple of seasons at Roma, I think he's a better player than Kalinoglu, so I think that he instantly improves them in that area. And also, I mean, they get Lukaku on uh, on loan, right? They still have Lotaro Martinez, so they're going to be firing on all cylinders in Serie A next season. And then Tyler Adams, I mean, Leeds have done really good business this window, and uh, I mean, I just I'm very interested to see what happens with them, and we're going to preview. Really, uh, the, I think the seasons, the big five leagues in a couple of weeks because the Premier League kicks off August 5th from what I remember. Mm-hmm. So and so if we're doing this biweekly schedule, right, we're going to we're going to be previewing what happens in the big five leagues in the upcoming match days that first weekend. So very interested to talk about Leeds and their development. But Tyler Adams solves the need, replaces Calvin Phillips. And uh, yeah, I really I really like it. I can't complain. I mean, we could officially say that Leeds United have become Leeds United States of America. For Jeff sure. Marsh, uh, Brendan Aronson, and then Tyler Adams. Come on, man. Yeah, I agree. And then just a couple of uh, couple of signings that are pretty close. Uh, Lewandowski to Barcelona seems like it's going to happen because they're going to put a third bid in after talking to Bayern. And then how? What's up? How? Yeah, I have no idea. We'll get into that, right? And then Zinchenko to Arsenal is also close. Uh, honestly, this is kind of the player that, that Arsenal really needed. If they signed Martinez, they wanted to play him at left back, which he has played uh, probably the least out of the three positions that he's capable of playing, along with defensive midfielder. Zinchenko lets you play center mid and also, uh, you know, left fullback as the inverted fullback and, uh, makes a lot of sense for them. So, you know, on that signing, what about, uh, Tierney? What's going to happen with him? So Tierney, Tierney gets injured a lot, and when Tierney went down, right, and Tommy Austin went down last season, they only had really Cedric, who was a playable uh, playable right back and slash left back. So he could only take up one position, and then that you saw, right, uh, Tavares did not play really well in those situations where he was just on an island as the, the inverted fullback on the left side because that's what Arsenal wants to play. So in, in the situation for Tierney, if he goes down, right, you can always put Zinchenko in the left-back position. And then if by some chance, right, both of them are out injured, Tommy also can play the left-back position. You can play Cedric at right-back. You know, so, so they have a lot more options there. And also Zinchenko, I think, is, uh, and we'll get into this, he's a good player, and he can also start in center midfield, which is his uh, preferred position 
yeah. Arsenal, you know. So I think there's a lot of reasons why that move would happen for him. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. That's one to watch out for. Uh, you shouldn't say that it's close to happening, though. You don't want to jinx it because the last two players that you said there, it's close to happening. Look what happened. Rafinha is off to Barcelona. Lissandro's off to, to Manchester United. I mean, you guys are down bad right now. At least Gabriel Jesus, you did confirm that it it, it did, and it did happen. Yeah, it's done. And he scored a couple of goals in a friendly, and he's going to start on my fantasy Premier League team, and he's going to be great. And also, Lucas, you know what? That's fine. We got hijacked. It happens. What can I say? But at least I know that we know how to scout because if we're interested in some players and we have other teams coming in to compete for these players, then that must mean that we're doing something right. So I'll take all right, can we talk about Barcelona? Yeah, okay, let's let's go straight into it because you mentioned uh, Lewandowski and I, I wanted to jump in, but I refrained from doing that. How are they paying for this pl- these players? Can you explain the financial side of things? Yeah, so, so what ended up happening, right, is they essentially uh, made a sponsorship deal with Spotify, right? Uh, Named Camp New after the, the, the Spotify, so it's technically... Spotify Camp Now or something like that, uh, Camp Now. Um, and then they're going to be the jersey sponsor, right? So that's one thing. The other thing that they're doing is they're selling a percentage of their merchandise, sports and merchandising rights. Okay. So by selling their merchandising rights, that what that means is that any, you know, any financial company, any bank that purchases these rights uh, for, for a certain fee gets that percentage over the year over year, right? So... Let's say Barcelona makes uh, makes a billion in uh, in in like um, you know in merchandising and everything, jersey sales, you know, keychains, all that stuff, right? Uh, they'll make they'll make a lot of money, like you know, millions of dollars. Yeah. The bank will then get a percentage okay. by funding them an upfront fee. So let's say I buy Barcelona's merchandising rights for ten percent, right? I will get. 10% of their profits over the course of however many years, right? It could be lifetime. I'm not sure about the terms. I haven't really looked at the specifics. But, you know, if you're a bank, you would be funding this for Barcelona in order for them to get transfers and then also for them to be financially uh, able to sign players due to the fair play that La Liga has. Uh, so, I mean, this is my take, Lucas. I think Barcelona, people pretend like Barcelona isn't financially in trouble. I think that Barcelona uh, has financial issues that need to get addressed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that this is what this board is doing. Uh, I think what they're doing is trying to build success short term. And if there's success on the football pitch, that'll hopefully be able to bring them the revenue that they need to move forward. Right. If they didn't qualify for Champions League, they're very lucky. If they did not qualify for Champions League, they would have spiraled out of control because not a lot of players would have wanted to come to Barcelona. I get that people are coming because of the allure, but Champions League football is important, right? You saw that happen with Arsenal. If When they didn't make Champions Leagues, players of like Ozil's quality, Alexis Chanchez's quality, Aubameyang's quality, they did not want to be there anymore, right? Those players would not want to sign for Arsenal. Now, maybe that's changing. We'll see. But I just think that one, they're very lucky to qualify from Champions League. Two, they are selling a lot of their rights and they are uh, doing a lot of sponsorship uh, deals that the board has already approved 
to, to be able to make these signings and they're banking on footballing success, helping to essentially pay for uh, their financial struggles and continue. Right. So, and they're also trying to fix their wages, but the thing that's, that thing that's happened with that, right. Is they've essentially deferred wages to a later period and they're trying to sell these players off before that happens. And that's something that's occurring with, Frankie De Jong, yeah, De Jong right now, right? He's owed 17 million, uh, I believe 17 million euros, 17 million pounds, something of that nature. Yep. A lot of money by Barcelona that's deferred in his contract. Now, if he gets sold by Barcelona, which is what they want to do, then Barcelona does not have to pay those wages because it's not as if it was a loan. They just deferred his salary to a later year, right? Mm-hmm. So you can imagine what De Jong's salary is now. I think it's like 300 to 500,000 pounds uh, a week or something like that. But with the deferred wage, you're going to see it inflated to something like 700, 800,000 pounds per week later on in his contract. And that is why Barcelona. Essentially, this season, he would be owed 30 million for the whole season. Essentially, yes. And then, and, and then it's going to be more and more as his contract goes on. And it's the same thing with other players as well. You know, they. They have done this with other players. They did this with Arthur. They basically bullied him to go to Juventus because they didn't want him anymore. Uh, Sold Malcolm after a year after hijacking that deal from Roma, right? Remember, Malcolm was supposed to go to Roma from Bordeaux. Barcelona hijacked that deal, uh, played with him for a year, and then sold him again for a season later to uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. So, I mean, Barcelona's board, uh, I'm going to be honest. I mean, you know, I dislike the club a lot. Uh, I have no hatred towards the fans of that club at all to be quite honest but the way the board runs things how they how they treat some of these players i think i think it's a total uh total mistake and i can't wrap my head around how players would want to come to barcelona when they see that this is the situation occurring with current players yeah like why would you want to sign for barcelona if you know that there's going to be a chance that they're going to want to screw you over later in the in the long run, even though they want you now. And we also saw that with Griezmann too, you know, and uh, and Luis Suarez as well. And then they also, you know, didn't resign Messi, which I think was uh, was always going to be the plan. Yeah. You know? Even though they said that it was never the plan. So I know that was a long. If I may just interrupt. Dani Alves has come out and said he hated the way that they, he was treated in that last six months, in the last run, he's yeah. like, I'm a club red- legend. I should have gotten, like, a nice send-off. Yes. He didn't get that, and he hated it, despised it. And yeah. I don't know what whatsoever. Yeah, and listen, and, Re- and, Real Madrid- and like, listen, people are going to point the finger and talk about Real Madrid and stuff. Real Madrid has made some mistakes as well, right? In the past, they, mm-hmm. the send-off that they gave Casillas was not worthy of a player of his status. I know that. There's other things that they have done, but... I, I, I can literally look at the difference in how Perez treats the players there yes. versus how, you know, the board at Barcelona treats the players. And, and this isn't just a Laporta thing, right? This has happened in the past as well. People are sick of Laporta. Just I'm talking about him specifically. But Bartomeu was not, no different. But Laporta just talks to the press nonstop and just spews a bunch of crazy stuff all the time about transfers, about how, you know— Frankie has to make a decision, either take a salary cut or go to Manchester United. Well, you know, Frankie, excuse my language, doesn't have to do shit. Frankie can just sit on his current contract and play it, and you have to pay him. And uh, also, last thing before I give it back to you, Leeds had in the contract with Rafina. Barcelona wanted something where if they could not register Rafina, 
they would they could cancel the transfer. They could yeah. cancel the transfer. And Leeds literally said no and put in the contract that if Barcelona misses a payment, that they will automatically be adding 10 million euros to their transfer. I like that. That's genius. That's and genius. Rightfully yes. so. Yeah, absolutely. But but to people who are telling me and people who are Barcelona fans who are probably thumping the table right now and saying, you know, Barcelona has money. What kind of a club, right, that is in the know, that is negotiating with Barcelona directly, would put a clause like that again if they were unsure if Barcelona could pay the fee? Right. You know, very clear to me that Leeds is unsure that Barcelona can possibly meet this fee and therefore added this penalty uh, to the transfer in case something like that occurs. So that's my thought on it. Uh, no, I fully agree with everything you're saying. Um, and I saw, going back to the finance part of it, I saw one of the reasons why they're in so much trouble where people will say, oh, but big clubs like Chelsea, Manchester United, Tottenham, they're all in debt. Arsenal in debt. Uh, Man City in debt. The reason that these teams are in debt is because the debt that they have is owed over a longer period of time, let's say 10 years. So from those 10 years, yes, the debt is going to be big, but they don't have to pay as much of it up front. Whereas Barcelona's debt is actually a very short period of time. They're, they owe that debt, and they're third among the list in debt compared to other uh, top five teams in Europe. They're third. But because the a large like majority, 80% of that debt is to be owed in the next year, that's where the financial troubles are, are spewing from. And that's why they have these financial troubles. So that is one of the reasons why. But I just don't get how financial fair play can't get into this and essentially tell Barcelona, hey, you can't sign these players. Yeah. I love the fact that Leeds have put that clause in it. And I, I think if every team, if uh, Bayern wants to sell Lewandowski, they need to add that clause in it. Because we know Lewandowski wants to go to Barcelona. We know that Bayern doesn't want to sell, but they're going to be, they're going to oblige because, I mean, they're paying 50 million for a, or 50 million plus for a 33-year-old striker, even though they already have a striker. So it, it just doesn't make any sense. And Bayern are cashing in on it, but they need to add like a $20 million cl uh, clause where if Barcelona doesn't make a payment, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, like, it's just ridiculous. I, and I, I, I agree with your point where you said, I don't know how players are seeing this and seeing how players are being treated and still want to go to Barcelona. Like, look at the Frankie de Jong situation. Barcelona are essentially saying, you got to go. Tough, tough, tough shit. Yeah. You have to go. So it, it's really unfortunate to see what that it's come this way. And Bayern Munich's CEO actually came out, Oliver Kahn, and said, or not CEO, he, whatever he is, president, uh, has come out and said, Barcelona, with how they're being run right now, can financially not be a club in two years' time. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, and I mean, I just think that there's there's a lot of things that are being done there that are not good. And I mean, I, I appreciate the history, right? I appreciate the history. I uh, appreciate the fans of that club, but uh, what they're doing is not cool. Just one more thing to add, right? The financial fair play that they're in trouble for, which is why they couldn't register players for La Liga, was La Liga's uh, 
financial fair play, not UEFA's. It's two different things. Yeah. They, they meet UEFA standards because of uh, how they qualify over uh, based on like year over year revenue and everything. Uh, and also wages, I don't believe, are taken into account when it comes to the signing of, of the, the players in UEFA's. COVID impacted uh, a lot of the financial fair play in La Liga, and they didn't choose to uh, they didn't choose to correct fit. Personally, I think that was the right decision, even though fans are complaining about it. Because long term, it's it's very it makes a lot of sense to me that they won't be financially, uh, you know, financially. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Stripped later on. Yeah, I, I do feel like I don't know. We'll see what ends up happening with Barcelona, but but ultimately, if I was a player, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go there, even if I was a fan of the club itself. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's tough. To I mean, Frankie De Jong is a huge fan of the club. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And and also the, the one thing I wanted to, to say and before we can move on too is just with De Jong, as, as, a, as you as a Manchester United fan, like you would be happy to have him. But yeah. like, but like to hear that, you know, he wants to stay and they're kind of forcing him out. Like, doesn't that kind of that sucks as a fan to hear because you're just like, we're getting this player, we're paying a lot for him. We may not even know if he wants to be here. You know what I mean? And I'm sure, I'm sure it'll change when he's there because he'll be with Ten Hag, he'll be yeah. with Annabeek and Ericsson, and a lot of familiar players through Ajax's connection. So I feel like he'll be at more at home and he'll re- regain everything. But just overall, all, all I'm just going to say is the situation sucks kind of for everybody. Yeah. No, it, it's a really, really bad situation. But uh, to that point, I would say that Manchester United wouldn't go after a player for two months and bid for him if they didn't think that he wanted to come. Um, yes, his priority is it has always been to stay at Barcelona. He's loved the club as forever. It's been his dream to play at Barcelona. So that's why his priority is to stay there. However... Going to Manchester United is not that he doesn't want to go. He would still go to Manchester United, but its priority is to stay at Barcelona. And honestly, if he doesn't come to Manchester United, I hope he stays at Barcelona and he just rakes in all the deferred payments and he gets the money that he's owed because it's in a contract. You have to oblige a contract. And he was nice enough during COVID to say, okay, I'll only take $3 million in the first season, I'll only take $7 million in the second season, even though he's owed $12 million each season. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on it. I, I wouldn't be too upset because, again, like with Eric Ten Hag and Frankie's connection, Donny van de Beek is there. They'll both all help help each other settle in. Yeah, and he's a great player. That's the other thing. He was their third best player two seasons ago. He was a good player last year. So, yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's time to move on to our our last topic, right? So uh, we're gonna play this game, and uh, it's it's basically we're each gonna get five players, and we're gonna the other person is gonna say whether they're overrated or underrated, right? So and then maybe we'll talk about it if we disagree. Um, so I don't know, Lucas. Who do you do you want to go first? You go. Okay. All right. So my first player is uh, Rafael Leao from AC Milan. Underrated. Underrated? I, I totally agree. Man, I think if someone in the Premier League paid like 70 million euros for him, he'd be worth it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He's, I, I, but I still think there's a lot of development that he needs to do. But 
21-year-old left winger. He's fantastic. Monster. Um, Nobody talks about him enough. Yeah, Syria's player of the player of the year, right? And uh, and I mean, he's just he's an incredible. I love watching him play. He's technically sound. Yeah, uh, he's basically like Rafinha, technically just on the on the left side. You know, if you really think about it. But uh, would love love for him to be in the Premier League. All right, your turn. Marco Royce. Marco Royce. Wow. Oh my God. Um, that's such a good one. Uh, underrated in the past, overrated now. Wow. Why overrated now? So, uh, listen, in the past, uh, when, when Germany won the World Cup and he wasn't in the squad, he was easily Germany's best player, in my opinion. I just think that he's gotten a little bit older, and I think that there are younger players that are currently playing for Dortmund that aren't getting the playing time that they necessarily need that could be potentially better than Royce. But Royce is playing because he's a legend at the club. And, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say he's not a good player because he is, but I do think that he is uh, he is looked looked upon differently uh, by Dortmund fans than he is to, to other people. So I, I would say he's he's overrated. That's a fair assessment, actually. But uh, I would disagree. I would still think he's underrated because he's not talked enough about like, – he's not talked enough in general – as in, like, being one of the best in the world. Of course, he had the injuries in the past, but, like, now he's he's still fantastic, and he he's oozes class. So, okay. all right, we'll, we'll agree to disagree there. All right, cool. Um, Busquets is my next player. Rated perfectly. You think so? Yeah. He's still, like, one of the best center back, uh, center defensive mids. Uh, I think he's one of the best center defensive mids ever. But he's not up there with, like, you can't put him in a conversation with Xavi and Iniesta. He he compliments them well. But I just think he is rated perfectly because he's not underrated. Nobody talks about Sergio Busquets and saying, uh, or nobody doesn't talk about Sergio Busquets. But nobody says that he's, like, one of the best of all time. So he he's just, like, rated perfectly. I don't know. You're muted. Good call. So I would say I would say that he's underrated uh, personally, just because I I think that you know people think that he fell off like a couple of seasons ago, and he's not the same player. Uh, I'm not saying that you do or, or I do. I that's how I feel just listening to to media and other people talk when I talk to them about about football. But I think that uh, he is still really good. Easily uh, every time, like put him in the starting eleven type of player. And uh, I, I just feel like people should recognize that he's still really good. Yeah, fair enough. My second one, Harry Kane. Harry Kane, oh my God. Um, damn, he is... Uh, this is so tough. All right, I'm going to say he's underrated. I'm going to say he's underrated. I think I Listen, he is uh, top three strikers in the world, all-around great player, can, uh, can, you know, move... Uh, lower down on the pitch, pick up the ball, and uh, be a playmaker as well, right? He should have been the Premier League player of the season, uh, not this past season, but the season before, where he had more goals and assists than any other player. And I think that uh, I think that because of that, he's underrated. I will say I do hate the way uh, the media in England and the referees treat him because he should have gotten sent off plenty of times in a lot of games. Uh, 
has done some very dirty stuff on the pitch, but ultimately I feel like he is underrated. So you think he's underrated, but you think he you think that people tell you think that people say that he's not top three strikers in the world. I I think people say that because of their hatred for him. Because but do you like I, I I never hear anybody say that he's not a top three striker in the world. Well, I mean it depends, right? I think uh, f- for sure Benzema and Lewandowski get put in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would have to think about I would have to think about the other the other players that would go in Holland, right? Like Holland's another one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so so I just think that like people say that, but like I wouldn't really necessarily say he's overrated. I just feel yeah. like. I feel like in my head, my answer is because of the perception that people don't like him, they want to rate him lower than what he actually is. Yeah. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I think he's rated like spot on. To be okay. Honest. I I mean I don't disagree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Casemiro is my next player. Underrated, one thousand percent underrated. Without him, Modric and Cruz would not have the freedom to be as good as they are. He is a rock solid player for Real Madrid. And he is not talked about enough for one of the key reasons that they have in the last 10 years won so many Champions Leagues. So yeah. severely underrated. I, I just want to give you his, his career arc because I want, I want to tell you uh, what it was like. Did, so he, he started playing in Real Madrid in 2013. He mm-hmm. was loaned out to Porto as late as like 14-15, right? So like... If you really think about it, they had already won one of the Champions Leagues, and then he made a difference when uh, when they really won, you know, the other four because he barely played in the 13-14 season. He played like 20, 25 games, right? But then he got loaned to Porto. Like they thought he wasn't good enough. They loaned him to Porto for a season, and then he came back. So just very interesting uh, career arc for him to to have the success that he had. Yeah, no, definitely underrated. All right, uh, my third one, Theo Hernandez. I love Theo Hernandez. Um, he's underrated, man. I mean, he is one of the five best left backs in the world, I think. So, so I just feel like, I just feel like, uh, it's really important to to recognize him. He's a great left back for AC Milan, and uh, yeah, I love watching him play. Yeah, he he's the left back of the season for. Uh, City, uh, like fantastic, and he's not talked about enough. I agree 100%. My next player is Zinchenko. Uh, okay, for club, for country, he's underrated. Okay, for club. He doesn't do much for Man City right now to be able to say that he's overrated or underrated. Okay. But for country, I'll say he's underrated because he's one of the main reasons Ukraine is as good as they are. So he's the captain. He's uh, He plays center midfield. His versatility is really, really strong. So his versatile versatility has been able to help Ukraine. Because he plays for he plays center mid for them, but for Man City he plays left back. So that's why I, it's two separate teams that you have to look at Zinchenko as. So underrated for Ukraine, can't say for Man City to be honest. 
Okay. I think that's totally fair. I mean, we'll see more, right? If he ends up joining Arsenal, we'll see what type of player he is. But he's phenomenal for, for Ukraine. I love uh, – I mean, he – and he kind of, in, in my opinion, he's the reason – him and Gundogan are the reason why Man City won the title because yeah. when they got subbed on, they totally changed the game uh, and got them that win at Villa. Yeah. All right. Your Lotaro turn. Lautaro Martinez. Lautaro Martinez is uh, overrated. Overrated. Because, okay. okay, so listen to this. So he had his best goal-scoring season last year. I think he had, uh, he had like, you know, late teens, early 20 goals in Serie A. He went on a scoreless streak for months, though. For yeah. Months. And, you know, this is the thing. He's very streaky. He's only had one good goal scoring season. And then that was last season, right? The season before that, the transfer, uh, summer transfer window before that, they were talking about possibly purchasing him for 70 million euros, 80 million euros. But he had not shown that production level that he did this past Serie A season. And even that considered, he, uh, he went on a long score streak. He's all, but, you know, he's great for Argentina. I will say that. Uh, I just think for for uh, our perception of him as you know one of the best strikers in in the world, I think that's that's a little uh, he's not there yet in my opinion. So I would say overrated. That's fair. No, that's definitely fair. All right, Paul Pogba is my last one. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Oh, that's such a tough one. Oh. Overrated. Okay. I mean, he, he's not underrated because he's one of the best in the world, but he's overrated as in he has the ability to be the best in the world. His technique is there, but he doesn't put in the effort to be the top three midfielders that he can. He's not in a level that – he can be in a level with Kevin De Bruyne, but he's not at that level because he doesn't put in the effort to be at that level. Yeah, sure, for, for country he is. But for club, he does not put it at that level. And that's why I think he went to Serie A because he needs, he wants that easier competition. And I'm not saying the Serie A is like a lot lower than the Premier League, but there are a lot of, a lot more teams that are not as physical as the lower teams in the Premier League. So I'll say he's overrated. Yeah, you know, I ultimately agree just because of his Manchester United stint. I think he is going to go back to being great when he's at Juventus. So it'll be it'll be fun to see. But I just had to throw that out there to see where where your head was at. My last one, Reese James. Oh man, he's underrated, man. He is. Uh, I mean, he is so good. The thing that's so crazy for me is in the England setup, right? It's him or Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I would probably take him because I just – he's so consistently good every single time I see him. And I'm, you know what? I would say this, though. If anything, I'm leaning closer to him being properly rated than okay. anything because this is the thing. I haven't, I haven't yet to meet someone that has said that he's not good at what he does. Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold, right? There are people that have criticisms for him. You know, he does like certain things. He has horrible games. But Reese James, I don't really see or hear that criticism on his side for how he plays because he is uh, he is phenomenal and uh, very jealous to to see him in Chelsea's side because he is he's great. I have nothing, no complaints, no weakness in in his game that I can really talk about. He's great for England. He's great for Chelsea. He was great at Wigan. So, uh, you know, I tip my hat to Reese James. Now, how about Trent Alexander-Arnold? 
Oof. I mean, listen, I think he is uh, – it depends, right? The media's perception and some fans that that dislike him and especially the thing with him and, you know, pregnant moms that we won't get into on this podcast. I think in some eyes people could view him as underrated based on how many people hate him, right? But I would ultimately say that he's probably also properly rated and that people recognize – the majority of people recognize that he is one of the best – uh, right wing backs in the world that he's phenomenal for set for set pieces, uh, assists, attacking, and he has you know he's not the the best defender right, yeah. but he is okay in that area and he overwhelms teams offensively that it's okay. Uh, I mean now I would personally say Robertson is more well rounded and better. Yes. Right, but uh, I can say that it, now if you want to talk about Robertson being underrated, totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I just think that in my eyes, Trent Alexander-Arnold is more likely properly rated than not. Yeah, I accept that. And Robertson's underrated, in my opinion. 100% agree. Uh, I mean, with that being said, Lucas, is there anything else you'd like to talk about on this podcast? I want to give you some time to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo because I have my opinion on the matter, what's going on, because Cristiano Ronaldo has come out and said he wants to leave Manchester United, he wants to play for the Champions League, and teams are coming out and saying, we don't want you. Yeah. So he wants to go to a Champions League team, and he's saying, and they're saying no. But there's one team that has given him a $270 million contract, and he said no to them, and that's in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? So this is what I think. I think that he should – listen, if he can't get Champions League football, I think uh, it's very clear he should stay at Manchester United. I think he should have been patient enough to not come out and say that he wanted a move, you know, or have uh, Jorge Mendes go through the channels. Uh, I think if he was to stay at Manchester United, and I know that this is probably going to be a hot take, but I think – with Ten Hag, with the improvements and everyone knowing that he's the manager and he's the man in charge with the signings that they have made already, uh, I think that they could potentially compete for the league title, right? If everything goes their way. Uh, I told you before even the transfer that happened a few weeks ago that I didn't think that they were as far off as people thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think that he should stay. I think that there is uh, this crazy thing going on with how people feel about Ronaldo, how fans like yourself feel about him, where sometimes you guys love him, sometimes uh, you don't because of what the media says, right? The stories that come out. But had he kept his mouth shut, had he just not said anything, I'm sure you would be excited to have him have him back. Now, we'll see what happens. Now, my thing with, the, with Ronaldo is if he wanted to leave for Champions League, why did he not come out sooner? and say, I wanted to leave. That could have helped United's transfer business. They could have sold him right away. And he could have gone to a team like Bayern Munich. Chelsea declined him. PSG declined him. He's now, not... Go now, ahead. I do want to say, if Bayern do sell Lewandowski, though... He's going there. He might go there, right? And if he goes there, he's going to tear stuff up. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. It's not, it's not set in stone that he may not move. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think this is going to be a hot take. With how the team's been performing right now in the preseason, I don't think Ronaldo starts in Ten Hag's game. Yeah, I think that's a hot take. 
It's a hot take, right? Uh, you probably don't agree with it. It's a very hot take because, okay, now hear me out. Ronaldo, when he plays, he has this gravitational pull that he demands the players to give him the ball. And he demands the players to, like, force feed him. Whereas when you look at how Manchester United are playing in the preseason, when you look at how Manchester United played last season before Ronaldo joined, they had this free-flowing spirit. They pl- they played, like, proper football. They scored five against Leeds in the opening uh, in the opening fixture. And then they scored four against Liverpool in preseason. Yes, it's, it's preseason. They scored four today against uh, Melbourne victory. Yes, it's Melbourne victory. But it's... I think Eric Ten Hag can work with the players that he has. And looking at how Martial's been playing right now, he has a different hunger, it seems. So Martial seems to be a very, very improved player when he plays striker, when he is doing... When he he puts his head into it. Because he has that talent. He just doesn't put his head into it. And you can see when Ronaldo is on the pitch, he gets visibly frustrated and he puts down other players to force them to play his way. Whereas that's not the right way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, so I think that's fair. I think uh, I think there's so many factors that happened to Manchester United last season, right? So I think in terms of the issues that they have, I would classify Ronaldo like lower on the list of issues, yeah. right? Lower on the list of issues, like maybe fourth or fifth, right? Now, with the first three or four issues being resolved, will that fourth or fifth issue even exist? I think that's something that's interesting. I think if he stays on, uh, that's what we'll see uh, what happens with him. But I think without him, Manchester United can complete for for Champions League. I think with him in the right situation, which seems like... Yes, exactly. So we'll see what happens. But um, But other than that... I mean, okay. yeah, no, this is just something to watch out for, look out for. Yeah. Other than that, I think we, this was a good conversation, good pod. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll keep in touch and we'll circle back with uh, any new transfers that have come out in the next two weeks. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a crazy transfer window. I agree 100 percent. You know, we'll be back in two weeks. We'll probably be talking transfers. And uh, I think it's time to talk about league future bets. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get into that. And I think it's going to be a great episode in a couple of weeks. So we you guys have a great time listening and uh, we'll catch you next episode. Enjoy them techers. <laughs>